This is episode 402 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, Are We Due for a Pandemic Flu? Here's How to Prepare Just in Case. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, before we get started, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by my ebook, The Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. If you'd like to get some more information and join the Prepper Website forums, you can come on over to ThePrepperWebsitePodcast.com or click the link in the show notes. Hey, before we jump into our article, I posted an article on Prepper website a couple of days ago that uh, was from Armstrong Economics, Martin Armstrong. And you know, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while now, you are familiar with him because I do every once in a while. I don't read his full articles, but I do touch on them because I think they're they're pretty interesting. And he's an economist, I guess. Uh, I don't know if that would be the best uh, way to, to uh, describe him. But he looks at patterns and he looks at trends, and I think that's very fascinating because things come to us in cycles. And anyway, so I, I linked to this one. It's called, Without Investigation, We Do Not Even Know the Right Questions to Be Answered. And so some of the things that were, were mentioned here, I thought, were, were interesting enough to post on Prepper website and, uh, to be honest, interesting enough to talk about here. So if you're if you're familiar with or you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you're familiar with Martin Armstrong. If you are new, welcome uh, to the podcast. And uh, I think you'll find this interesting here as I as I talk about this. So let me go ahead and just I'm going to read the first paragraph or a couple of just a couple of sentences out of here. What you are looking at, be it politics or markets, the way in which we respond to each event is the same. People act like herds of animals and we move instinctively according to everything and everything around us. Without investigating the past, there is no possible way we will ever understand the correct question to ask. People get all emotional about Trump. They just hate his guts and if he fell to the ground on fire, they would not even pee on him until he was dead. All right, so let me go ahead and scroll down here. From a purely technical perspective, Void of political affiliation, emotion, or hatred, Trump is what we classify as a false move. He is the calm before the storm. He has tried to reverse the course of the nation, lowering taxes and trying hard negotiations on trade to restore the manufacturing jobs to Americans. What I mean by saying he is the calm before the storm will invoke hate mail from those who hate him. The markets always or the markets will always make a correction in the opposite direction of the major trend before the big move. This is the standard human behavior. Trump in this context is a correction within the decline and fall of Western society, but he will not reverse the trend. I'm going to skip down to the very last uh, paragraph here. We must be on our guard for at the very least our models show that there is no way government is going to survive. This strongly suggests that our models, which also show a dramatic rise in share market prices, will enter a vertical market, which is the most difficult to trade because of the collapse in confidence. Venezuela is a living example of what happens in the share market with the collapse in confidence in government. 
Trump is only the counter trend move. There has to be a larger number of people who can't wait to have a party when he is thrown out of office. They are only cheering for the demise of our country and are truly biased to ever open their eyes. All right, so a lot of uh, doom and gloom right there. If you followed Martin Armstrong for a while like I have, you know that there was a time where he was talking about, you know, hey, we're going into a, to a hard fall. Uh, well, it could be a hard fall or it can be uh, a harder fall, basically, is what he was saying. And, uh, you know, the, the right people needed to be in place to kind of bring it out. And then he started turning like really negative, like, hey, this is I'm a, well, not negative. He started turning like, I'm afraid this isn't looking good. And then now he's saying, hey, this is the demise of Western society. I mean, things are going to change uh, here in the future the way things have always been. They're not always going to stay the same. And he just looks at the trends and stuff like that. So that's a lot of doom and gloom and people can get freaked out about that. But that's one reason why we stay prepared so we can see this ahead of time and know kind of what's coming, you know, so that we mitigate the, the, the harm to our finances, the harm to our jobs, the harm to our family, the harm to, you know, the, just the food that we eat and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, man, I hate to give you the doom and gloom here. Uh, and especially since I'm going to hit you again with this, this next article. But, uh, man, you know, we, we need to be paying attention. And that's, uh, again, that's another reason why uh, that I always end the podcast with we need to stay prepped and aware. Another reason why we need to be prepped and aware at all times and for what's coming into the future. So if you're not uh, a fan of Martin Armstrong or you're not familiar with his work, I'm going to link to his uh, this article in the show notes. And you can go check it out and you can read some of his other articles. I, I try to read, you know, pretty much almost everything that he puts out. Not everything. There are some things that are just don't seem very interesting to me, but a lot of things that are, uh, you know, th- that he puts out are interesting. All right. So again, that's Martin Armstrong. Without investigation, we do not even know the right questions to be answered. Look for it in the show notes. All right. So let's go ahead and go to our article of the podcast. It comes to us from readynutrition.com. And the uh, article is entitled, Are We Due for a Pandemic Flu? Here's How to Prepare Just in Case. And we're going into flu season or at least to where the heavy flu season is. But, you know, this isn't really about seasonal flu. This is about pandemic flu. And this article kind of breaks that down for you so that you can understand it a little better. So let's go ahead and jump right in. It has been 100 years since the Spanish flu, also known as the 1918 flu pandemic, spread across the globe, infecting 500 million people and causing the deaths of 50 million, which was 3-5% to of the world's population at the time. Imagine the catastrophic numbers in today's time if a similar flu hit, and how quickly it would spread from the ease in transportation modern society allows. While you can rest easy right now knowing a global pandemic is not currently a threat, it is just a matter of time before the next one arrives. Although modern medicine has a lot more flu-fighting tricks in its arsenal than it did several decades ago, the risk of a pandemic flu killing many is still real. All right, so let me stop right there. You know, one of the things about you know the Spanish flu is and or the the 1918 pandemic, it took a while for people to travel. They didn't have like jet planes and stuff like that uh, at that time. I mean, you know, someone had to get on a boat, trains, those type of things. Now somebody can be sick and wind up, you know, making it over to the United States in, you know, hours. 
And uh, you know, recently, if you uh, if you follow the news, there was people that were coming over from uh, Muslim countries. I think like uh, the United uh, Arab Emirates, I, I believe. Uh, there was actually two different planes where people had fevers, you know, all, all, the whole plane had fevers and people were kind of freaking out about all that. And so, you know, that was just, um, you know, some isolated incidents. But, uh, you know, you, you that can easily make its way if it was the real big one uh, the you know, a flu pandemic could easily make its way over here before anybody really realized that. So uh, that's uh, that's one reason why it would be a problem, a bigger problem, is it would travel so fast, and then to get any kind of medicine or vaccines or whatever going is just going to be that much more important to, for it to, to happen a lot sooner. All right, so let's go ahead and uh, continue on. The growing population, ease in global travel, civil conflict, a marked decrease in medical facilities in outbreak regions, and a decrease in CDC resources could all create a perfect storm for an epidemic to rapidly get out of control and become a pandemic. In The Big One is Coming and It's Going to Be a Flu Pandemic, Dr. Sanjay Gupta wrote that when a highly lethal flu pandemic comes, it will affect everyone alive today. Pandemic flu is apolitical and does not discriminate between rich and poor. Geopolitical boundaries are meaningless and it can circle the globe within hours. Dr. Gupta goes on to explain that when most people hear flu, they think of seasonal flu, but pandemic flu is a different animal, and you should understand the difference. Quote, pandemic means all-demic, or demographic, means people. It is well-named because pandemic flu spreads easily throughout the world. Unlike seasonal flu, pandemics occur when a completely new or novel virus emerges, this sort of virus can emerge directly from animal res reservoirs or be the result of a dramatic series of mutations, so-called reassortment events, in previously circulating viruses. In either case, the result is something mankind has never seen before, a pathogen that can spread easily from person to defenseless person, our immune systems never primed to launch any sort of defense." End quote. While outbreaks of deadly exotic diseases like Ebola get a lot of attention in the press and are t a terrifying prospect, viruses like it and Zika are not likely to cause a global catastrophe. That's because the method of transmission is much slower and complex. Ebola and Zika are mainly spread via bodily fluids and mosquitoes, respectively. A recent study on naturally occurring microorganisms that constitute a global catastrophic biological risk, GCBR, was conducted by the John Hopkins Center for Health Security, and a report on the findings was published earlier this year. You may be wondering what exactly a GCBR is. The report explains, quote, GCBRs are defined as those events in which biological agents, whether naturally emerging or re-emerging, deliberately created and released or laboratory engineered and escaped, could lead to sudden, extraordinary, widespread disaster beyond the collective capability of national and international governments and the private sector to control. If unchecked, GCBRs would lead to great suffering, loss of life, and sustained damage to national governments international relationships, economies, societal st stability, or global security, end quote. Although most classes of microbe could evolve or be manipulated in ways they would cause a catastrophic risk to humans, viruses are the most likely class of microorganisms to have this ability. 
Quote, we need to get serious about respiratory viruses, said Dr. Amish Adolje, a senior scholar at the John Hopkins Center for Health Security in Baltimore who led the research. There's a lot of focus on diseases that aren't going to be able to change civilization in a way that something that spread through the respiratory route would be. The study found that in addition to being airborne, pathogens with the potential to cause a global disaster would probably have the following traits. Reports Live Science, it would be contagious during the incubation period before people show any symptoms or when people have only mild symptoms. It would be a microbe that most people are not immune to, so there would be a large population of susceptible human hosts. It would have an existing treatment or it wouldn't have an existing treatment or prevention method, and it would have a low but significant fatality rate. If the last trait in the list caused you to feel a little relieved, well, don't get too comfortable. Dr. Adalje told Life Science that a pathogen doesn't have to have a high fatality rate or kill the majority of people infected to cause majority societal disruptions. It just has to make a lot of people sick, he said. Pathogens with high fatality rates often kill people too fast to have a chance to infect a lot of new hosts and become a widespread problem. The researchers found that within the viral class, a group known as RNA viruses have the most potential to cause a global pandemic or disastrous proportions. In part, this is because these viruses mutate more easily than other types do. Well-known viruses such as the flu, SARS, common cold viruses like enterovirus and rhinovirus, and respiratory syncytial virus, RSV, are RNA viruses. So let's talk about the importance of being prepared for a pandemic flu. In the Prepper's Blueprint, pandemic preparedness is a vital part of emergency preparedness, and health officials believe this could happen again. Quote, since pandemics are fast moving, vaccinations would be useless. When an outbreak occurs, those living in cities and those living in close proximity to others will be more at risk. Statistics from previous pandemics indicate that 30 to 60 percent of the population will contract an illness. Any pregnant women, infants, elderly people or those with chronic medical conditions are also at risk and could be the first of the population to contract the contagious illness. When the pandemic begins, many will remain in a state of denial about any approaching epidemics and not want to think of the long-lasting repercussions of such a disaster. Being prepared before the masks come out of their days will ensure that you are better prepared before the hordes run to the store to stock up. Having first-hand knowledge of the government's protocols before this type of emergency arises can help put you ahead of the game. Understanding that our lives will change drastically if the population is faced with a pandemic and being prepared for this can help you make better choices toward the well-being of your family. Some changes could be challenges or shutdowns of business commerce, breakdown of our basic infrastructure, communications, mass transportation, supply chains, payroll service interruptions, staffing shortages in hospitals and medical clinics, interruptions in public facilities, Schools, workplaces may close, and public gatherings such as sporting events or worship services may close temporarily. Government-mandated voluntary or involuntary home quarantine. As explained in the article, Are You Ready? series, Pandemic Preparedness, community preparedness will play a large role in preventing the spread of an illness. The federal government has developed a pandemic severity index that is used to assess the severity of an epidemic. 
If the government believes it is necessary, pandemic mitigation measures are activated. So here are some of those measures. Number one, isolation and treatment as appropriate with influenza antiviral medications of all persons with confirmed or probable pandemic influenza. Isolation may occur in the home or healthcare setting depending on the severity of the individual's illness and or the current capacity of the healthcare infrastructure. Number two, voluntary home quarantine of members of the household with confirmed or probable influenza cases and consideration of combining this intervention with the prophylactic use of antiviral medications providing sufficient quantities of effective medications exist and that a feasible means of distributing them is in place. Number three, dismissal of students from schools, including public and private schools, as well as colleges and universities, and school-based activities and closure of child care programs, coupled with protecting children and teenagers through social distancing in the community to achieve reductions of out-of-school social contacts and community mixing. Number four, Use of social distancing measures to reduce contact between adults in the community and workplace, including, for example, cancellation of large public gatherings and alterations of workplace environments and schedules to decrease social density and preserve a healthy workplace to the greatest extent possible without disrupting essential services. Enable institutions of workplace leave policies that align incentives and facilitate adherence to the non-pharmaceutical interventions or NPIs outlined above. Because pandemic flu spread so quickly and because developing and distributing a vaccination for a new flu virus usually takes at least six months, it is not likely that a vaccine would offer many benefits. And it is unlikely that seasonal flu vaccines would be of any use for a pandemic flu virus because they are not designed to protect against new influenza A viruses. Seasonal flu vaccines do not have a good track record as it is. The shot's effectiveness for the 2017-2018 flu season was an estimated 36%. So how can you prepare for a pandemic flu? Preparing for a pandemic is a lot more difficult than preparing for a typical flu season. But there are things you can do to try to avoid infection and manage if it does threaten your community. With any type of disaster or emergency, the responsibility falls more heavily upon our shoulders to ensure that we are able to meet our needs. Self-reliance is key in this type of disaster because you will not want to venture into town or come into contact with the public. So how do we prepare properly for this type of emergency? Taking proper illness precautions is crucial. Make a point to avoid those who may be infected. Avoid touching your mouth, nose, and eyes during any pandemic. Cover coughs and sneezes with a tissue. Wash hands often. Clean frequently touched surfaces and objects. Wear a face mask when sick and in close contact with other people. Here are a few more ideas to consider on how to better prepare your family for this type of an emergency. Create a sick room for the home. Keep your immune systems up by getting lots of sleep, having a good diet, exercising and taking vitamins and antioxidants to protect your health. Stay inside and avoid contact with others. Get pandemic supplies to have on hand at a moment's notice. So prepare your body, boost your immune system. Boosting your immune system can help you avoid becoming sick or reduce the severity of illness should you become infected. There are some natural ways to amp up the body's immune system with a flu-fighting arsenal that includes eating healthfully, herbal teas, essential oils, hand-washing, 
drinking plenty of water, taking vitamins, and of course, getting enough sleep. Some foods that will provide you with optimum health are organic fruits and vegetables, fermented foods such as kumbacha, kefir, yogurt, and kimchi, organic pastured meats and eggs including 100% grass-fed beef, healthy fats such as coconut oil, olive oil, avocados, and nuts, Avoid sugar, especially refined sugars. Sugar weakens the immune system. If you need sweetener, try raw honey, maple syrup, or stevia. Drinking teas high in antioxidants such as green tea can stimulate the production of immune cells. And raw honey has an antibacterial, antifungal, and antiviral properties. Local raw honey is best, especially for allergies. One tablespoon of apple cider vinegar per day and eating nuts like almonds, which contain immune-strengthening antioxidants. Mushrooms are an untapped medicinal food that can help fend off the flu due to their high antioxidant content and antiviral and antibiotic properties. With their high protein content, they can be used as meat alternatives. Bone broth is another way to boost your health. This used to be a healthy dietary staple our ancestors regularly consumed along with fermented foods. Bone broth can aid in digestion, contains minerals that are easily absorbed, and is great for the immune system. Bone marrow helps the immune system by carrying oxygen to cells in the body. Drink lots of water. Simply put, water helps to filter the impurities out of your body. Over time, this keeps your body functioning and in optimum health. And take your vitamins. Vitamins A, B, C, D, and E have been shown to promote a healthy immune system. Take a high-quality organic multivitamin. And although the sun is the best way to receive vitamin D, if you can't get outside because of weather conditions or other circumstances, supplementation can help. Take at least 3,000 to 5,000 IUs of vitamin D3 daily. Research has shown a link between vitamin D deficit and susceptibility to the flu. This one has 5,000 IUs, so there's a link there, I guess, to uh, vitamins there. Vitamin C and zinc, in particular, are helpful immune boosters. Since our bodies do not naturally make vitamin C, we need to get it through supplementation in order to boost our bone, muscle, cartilage, and vascular health. The best way to get vitamin C is right from the source. Rather than taking a GMO vitamin, make your own vitamin C powder. These zinc lozenges taste good and are of high quality. Turning toward natural remedies now will give you the knowledge and skills you need to keep your family well during flu season and in the event of a pandemic flu. As well, consider learning ways to make homemade lozenges to soothe sore throats or possessing basic knowledge on which herbs may be used to treat cold and flu symptoms. Further, knowing how to combine these together to make cold flu syrups, including this homemade elderberry syrup, will only better your family's chances at beating the cold flu season when OTC medicines aren't as readily available. And prepare your home. Stock up on supplies. Any steps taken towards preparedness are better than none at all, so do what you can. Remember, medical facilities are likely to become overwhelmed, understaffed, and understocked in the event of a pandemic, so it is very possible you and your loved ones will have to manage the illness at home. Here's a list of pandemic supplies to stock up on. One month supply of emergency foods that require no refrigeration. Store one gallon of water per person per day in clean plastic containers. Avoid using containers that will decompose or break, such as milk cartons or glass bottles. Plastic sheeting. Two to three small waste baskets or a bucket lined with a plastic garbage bag to dispose of clothing, soiled supplies, etc. 
gallon Ziploc bags, portable toilet with disposable liners, supply of non-prescription drugs and pain relievers, cold medicines and decongestants, stomach remedies, duct tape, anti-diarrhea medication, essential oils, vitamins that have immune-boosting enhancers, fluids with electrolytes, bleach or disinfectant, soap, tissues, garbage bags to collect soiled clothing and bedding before they are washed, a thermometer, protective eye gear and or face shield, nitrile gloves, Tyvek protective suit, disposable cleaning gloves in quantity, hand wipes, alcohol-based hand sanitizers or homemade hand sanitizer supplies, disposable aprons or smocks, at least two cases, duct tape for sealing off doorways and vents, disposable nitrile gloves, two to three boxes. I think that one was already listed there. Garbage bags, I think that one was already listed there. And N100 respirator masks. Pandemics are not common, but they still should not be taken lightly. Do not rely on preparations at the federal, state, and local levels. Preparing at the individual level now will ensure your best chances for survival should a pandemic reach your area. All right, guys. So again, I hate to hit you with the the doom and gloom again, but it's something that we need to be thinking about. Uh, something that we need to prepare for because if things start, uh, you know, ratcheting up, and hopefully, you know, hopefully it happens. If if it happens, and really people are like, it's not if it happens, it's when it happens. But if it happens, when it happens, whatever. Hopefully it is going on because we are aware, because we are paying attention, then we are able to you know raise that alert, right? And just say, hey, everyone, heads up. Maybe if you need to go to the store and top off, go top off now. Uh, you know, if you haven't done any kind of uh, preparedness towards this, then you need to really go to the store and really stock up on stuff. I have noticed, I know I mentioned this before, but um, the last time the Ebola thing really freaked everybody out and there was people, you know, like that doctor was brought over and uh, was taken to the hospital and then there was th- issues that happened in, in Texas and all that kind of stuff with Ebola. Um, going to like uh, the drugstore like Walgreens or CVS or whatever drugstore you have in your in your area, they don't carry very many supplies, medical supplies. It's not like, you know, they might have two boxes of, you know, N95 masks. And it's like, you know, they'll have like 10 masks in there or something like that. They don't have very, very many boxes of nitrile gloves uh, on stock. And so one person going and, and someone who's afraid of, you know, what's coming could really go and wipe them out in, in one, you know, one run to the store. So you really need to consider that. It's, it's always smart to have medical supplies on hand, uh, you know, to, to have up some of the things that, you know, that aren't going to um, you don't have to worry about, you know, like uh, with the heat and stuff like that could go in a tote in your garage. And so it can be out of the way or maybe at the, you know, the top uh, shelf in your in a closet or something like that. You can always do that. Um, but then having all these other supplies and I, I really do like the you know, the, the essential oils, the, the knowing the herbal remedies, the vitamins, all those things would be important as well because you want to make sure that uh, you're boosting your immune system and you're you're doing all that you can to, to remain healthy. You know, remember, guys, if, if you're the person who preps for your family, I mean, if everybody in your family is good on prepping, that's that's great. You are very rare if that is the case. But if you're the main person that preps, 
You know, your family is not going to be thinking about these types of things. Um, you want to make sure that you're able to make a move very, very quickly, if not have these supplies already in place, which that's what I would recommend. I know it can get very expensive and things like that. That's why you buy a little bit at a time, and, you know, but you can buy it on Amazon and, and Amazon has some, some decent prices, right? Um, so you're buying, a, you're buying a little bit at a time. And then, you know, if the situation was to happen, then your family would be stunned and not know what to do. But you can take charge at that point and say, hey, look, I, I've been worried about this situation for a while and I am ready. I am prepared. And so here we go. This is what we're going to do. We're not going out to the to the grocery store anymore. We're not going to school. We're not going to go to work. We're not going to, you know, we're going to take an extended vacation or whatever it is because we're going to take care of ourselves. And then... You really got to take into consideration if it was an extended event, like they said here in this article, or they quoted, it could be six months before a vaccination is prepared. I mean, think about that. Could you last six months in your house right now with what you have? And I'm not trying to scare you, not trying to get you to go out and buy a whole bunch of stuff, right? I just want you to think about it. Again, you know, my recommendations always on stocking up with food and stuff like that is to do it the easy way. You stock up with cans that you can buy at the grocery store. You do, you know, do it yourself, uh, long-term food buckets. And if you, you know, have the money and can't afford it, buy some, um, buy some long-term food storage, like, you know, from a reputable company, uh, like uh, Legacy Food that has food that, you know, that tastes good. And so you, you want to do something like that, but you got to consider all those things. So that's why you don't wait to the situation to, uh, to start prepping, right? You start prepping a little bit at a time. And a lot of the things when we talk about, you know, pandemic preparedness or we talk about any kind of preparedness, it bleeds into the, all the other types of preparedness, uh, that we talk about, you know, all the other scenarios and situations. And you're just adding to the overall preparedness of your family so in case of any emergency you're ready to go so guys that is over at readynutrition.com again i'm going to link to it in the show notes and there are a lot of links into here i'm just telling you a lot of links so if a pandemic is one of those things that you you want to get a little bit more information on you can come and click on a bunch of links over here well everyone that is it for another week of podcast episodes in the books. Hey, I'm so glad that you hung out with me this week and on this podcast. Hey, don't forget if you are wanting some more preparedness content, you just as you haven't got enough from the Prepper website podcast, right? You're like, Todd, I want some more. I'm just kind of I'm new to this. I, I'm this is interesting. You can do a couple of things. First, you can go over to prepperwebsite.com. We link to articles every single day there. Um, not only do we link to articles, but we have static pages with feeds to things like alternative news. And really that alternative news page is the second uh, highest viewed page in all of Prepper website. I also have pages on DIY, frugal living, uh, you know, on, on firearms, on conspiracy theories, if that's your thing. And so you can come over to Prepper website and, and do that, right? And you can find tons of articles that just kind of you know, get prepared on, right? You get your knowledge uh, there. 
And the other thing you can do is come over to Facebook and join the Facebook group. I have links in the show notes and also on the Prepper website podcast. It'll take you straight over there and uh, be a part of that group over there. And uh, you don't have to participate a lot. You can lurk if you want to. There's a lot of people that lurk. But, you know, when when you have a question or when someone throws a question out there, if you have an answer or you can just see what other people are sharing. And that's uh, there's always uh, great answers shared there. There's a lot of wisdom there. So if you if not a part of that Facebook group, I welcome you to come on over and uh, and be a part of that. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and end episode 402 and go into the weekend here. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Head on over to the Prepper website podcast.com. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, on the grid, or on the grind. Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.